We're glad you're watching. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for being part of the service. A couple of things that uh, I want to say before I get to our study. And uh, let me begin by repeating something I said last week. And that is how much my family and I appreciate and how thankful we are for all that you did for us and have done for us, in fact, through this whole year. Just your kindness, your love, your actions, uh, your prayer, that being such a key for us. Yeah, I can't tell you how overwhelmed we've been by your kindness. And so just know that we appreciate There's no way we could come to each one of you and tell you individually. There's just too many people who have been involved. But just know that you are appreciated and we are so grateful for what you've done for our family. Let me also say as a second thing that uh, I appreciate so much those who have worked so hard to keep our church going through the pandemic. Uh, once again, it would be impossible to mention everyone, but let me just mention three. Uh, Jason Sneed, Mickey Rector, and uh, Gary Bidney. Uh, these three guys have worked very hard to keep our church focused, to keep us moving forward, and uh, they've spent a lot of hours, a lot of extra hours, a lot of a lot of uh, involved time making sure that we stay focused on God's Word and we keep moving forward for His glory. And I appreciate that so much. Uh, it's such a blessing to know that uh, I didn't have to sit at home with COVID-19 worrying about what was going to happen at church because I knew it was cared for. I knew people were taking care of it. We're continuing to advance our purpose and our cause. And for me, that was a great blessing. Well, this morning, I want to take our thoughts to, um, to something that has become very personal for me throughout the course of this year. Something that God has really worked in my life in a very special way to bring me to a bigger understanding uh, of, of where I need to be, not necessarily where I am yet, but where I need to be and how He can get me to that place. I'm very much concerned that we, as part of the family of God, so often get into this mindset of accepting the little and forfeiting the lot. Accepting that which is small, but missing out on that which is large. Missing out on that which God has for us. Uh, so this morning, I just want to walk you through a couple of ways in which we miss out. I want to show you that these are important things that God does for us. It's vital for us that God do these things. And yet, I want to show you then as we move a little further, how it becomes the little and we settle for that. So walk with me through this process. First of all, to see that when I am weak, I find strength. When I am weak, I find strength. Throughout the course of this year, there have been many times when my weakness was obvious. When I was at the place where I could do nothing more physically, I could do nothing more mentally, relationally, all these things, I had just gotten to the place where my weakness was so obvious and I desperately needed the strength of God. Now, that's where God wants us to be. God wants us to be in this place of need. He wants us to be in this place of recognition of how much we depend upon Him and how much we need Him. 
And God has brought me to that place several times throughout the course of this year. The Apostle Paul had been there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, he says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now think about that for a second. I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in problems, in physical difficulties. He said, I take pleasures, pleasure in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I get to this place physically that my weakness is so obvious, it's so overwhelming, there's nothing I can do to change the situation, then I'm at the place where the strength of God can begin to work through me. That's the place of blessing. And so God brings me to this place when I'm physically drained, when I'm emotionally exhausted, when I'm mentally strained, when I'm relationally depleted, that's when I find strength. Why? Because that's when I'm searching for it. That's when I'm in need. That's when I'm looking for God to strengthen me. That's when I'm seeking God in that place of my life. And God steps in and does what God does best. Those things that only God can do. The second thing we see is when I am scared, I find peace. When I am scared, I find peace. Now think about that with me for a second. Have you ever been in a position in your life where you've just felt completely overwhelmed with fear? Where, where there was so much anxiety building up over the situation. Where you were paralyzed, where you could not move forward. You were just so very much afraid. It is in those times that God promises His children, if we seek Him, if we reach out to Him, that He will provide something that cannot be explained. Apostle Paul talks about it in Philippians 4, 7. He said, It is the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. This peace will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God which surpasses human understanding. I can't even understand the peace that God has laid upon me. There is no way I could possibly explain it to someone else. It's unexplainable. And God promises that in my time of fear, that in those times when I recognize that I have no means to fight the battle, I have no means to overcome the enemy, I have no way that I can possibly get out of this tormentful situation in which I find myself, then God brings to me the one who has sought Him, who has looked for Him, who has asked for this because of the need. God gives to me this peace in my life that passes understanding. Now, I want you to know that these two things are vital for us as believers. I mean, they are so very important for us as part of the family of God. We must have the strength of God if we hope to accomplish anything for God. We must have the peace of God if we hope to overcome those things that scare us and bring such fear into our lives in this particular life. And yet... There is a problem with these things I see. And that is that these things have a way of, of affecting one area of our lives. One area. 
And so when I have that particular need, I pray for this area to be fixed. I've got this area of fear. God, would you give me peace? And God brings that peace. And the problem is that sometimes that's where I stop. That's where I settle. I don't recognize all that God wants to do in my life. I don't recognize that God not only wants to fix a part of my life, but He wants to fix the entirety of my life. And as a result, I settle. Settle for the little. And I miss out on the lot. There's a story about a man who... And honestly, I can't remember the time frame. It was in the last 20 or 30 years. During an economic downturn, he lost everything. I mean, physically speaking, he lost his job. He lost his power, his prestige that came with his job. He lost his car, his, fam uh, his, uh, his home, and eventually, because of bad decisions, even his family. I mean, he lost it all. The story goes that one day... He was wandering through an abandoned mill, and he was in the mill looking for a place to sleep, a place that was, was safe, was comfortable, and was warm, at least to the extent that it could be provided. And as he was searching through the buildings and the grounds there, he noticed something over in a garbage pile that caught his eye. It was something that was very attractive, it was very colorful, and it caught his attention. And as the story goes, he went over and he picked it up to find that it was a beautiful vase. Now, interestingly, no one that was interviewed for this story knew how in the world that vase could have gotten where it was. And there was no explanation as to how it could survive being in that pile of rubble without being damaged. And yet it seemed to be perfect. Well, this man being a salesman said... I will take this vase tomorrow to uh, someone that he knew worked in that area who, who would possibly buy this from him. Even though he didn't know him personally, he knew of him. He said, I'll take it to him and I bet I can get provisions out of that. Money to buy provisions to survive for the next three or four days. And so the next day he did exactly what he said. He took the vase to this uh, particular gentleman and he, he, he made to him an offer that he thought was extreme. He said, I will sell you this for X amount of dollars. And to his surprise, the man didn't ask any questions. He didn't try to talk him down. He pulled out his money and he paid him exactly what he asked for it. He thought, wow, I've got enough now to live for 10, maybe 12 days without having to worry. I'll be able to eat. I'll be able to survive. But what this man could not have known was that the vase he found was later listed in an auction by this gentleman as priceless. It was a one-of-a-kind. It was an incredible find. This man gave to the gentleman selling the vase that which would sustain him for a period of 10 or 12 days a little bit when all the time what that man had in his hands was that which was a lot. He could have easily, had he known what he had, had he known what was available to him, reestablished himself in life. He could have easily, with the sale of that vase, 
put himself back into a position of authority and power and prestige. Everything he had wanted and hoped for and had in life before the downturn, he could have gained it back. Maybe, maybe even his family. But he didn't know what he had and so he settled for a little. I think sometimes we do that in our journey and our relationship with Christ. We, we have so much at our disposal. God wants to do so much in our lives. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. That they may have life beyond their wildest imaginations. Not filled necessarily with treasures, with possessions, but filled with the intangible things that are so important to us, that are so necessary for us. I have come so that they may have everything they need to enjoy abundant life. Abundant life. And so, when I am weak... I find strength in that area of my life. And when I am afraid and when I am scared, I find peace in this area of my life. And if I'm not really careful, then I will be satisfied with that. And instead of digging deeper, instead of trying to know God more, instead of searching for more from, from God and His work in my life, I'm satisfied with the little. And that's where I stay. When I'm weak, I find strength. When I am scared, I find peace. But let me bring you to this final thought. But when I am empty, that's when I find everything. But when I am empty, that's when I find everything. So when I am empty of myself... When I recognize that I can't control my life, that I have no ability to change what's going on in my life, when I, when I empty myself of my brilliance, when I empty myself of my wisdom, of my abilities, when I empty myself of my limitations, of, of my pride, of my selfishness, of my greed, of my anger, of my laziness, when I empty myself, God can begin to work through me in ways that He couldn't before because before I was so full of myself. When I empty myself of my laziness, when I empty myself of my need to be seen, my need to be heard, my need to be in control, my need to get in even, when I empty myself of my need for applause or recognition, when I empty myself for the need to feel important, when I empty myself for the need to feel necessary, when I empty myself of myself, then God can feel And God can work and God can provide that which I have searched for my whole life. When I am empty, then 
I find everything. Your question may be, well, okay, yeah. I've been settling, so how do I get to this place of empty? I mean, you've given us a lot of things there to empty out. That's not going to be an easy process, and you're right, it's not going to be. Some people would say, okay, well, circumstances are going to do that for you. Circumstances, when you, when you have a crisis, when you have pain, when you have loss, then all of a sudden you're going to find this understanding of how full you, yourself you are, and you're going to want to exit that. You're going to want to avoid that. You're going to get to the place to where you want God to be in control. The problem is, so many times, those are just little areas of our lives. It's not the whole picture. In fact, I don't believe it's possible to empty myself fully just based upon circumstances. I believe there's something that has to be accomplished, something that I must engage. And so what is it? I mean, what's the answer? Is it possible? And the answer, I believe, is yes. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's not an easy fix situation. It's a process that I walk through. But yes, it is possible. And so, what's the answer? If you've got something to write on, I wish you'd write these four steps down. These are the four steps, I believe, to emptiness. Four steps to emptiness. And it begins, number one, step number one, with humility. Humility. I humble myself before God. I want you to understand that this is exactly where God wants us to be. In a position where I recognize that I have no ability within myself to change my circumstances or my situation. That I am totally dependent upon God. Totally dependent upon God. God wants us in that position where we are totally dependent upon Him. It's a recognition of His power. It's glorifying God. It's saying, I recognize your greatness, your authority over me, your power over me, and we surrender ourselves to God. It's that recognition. And so I humble myself before God. Amazingly, something special happens when I humble myself before God. God said, I resist the proud, but I exalt the humble. I lift them up. When I get into this place of humility before God, and it's real, it's not, it's not imagined or it's not a show, it's not a mask that I put on for people at church, but it's the real deal. I humble myself before God. Then God says, I will invade your situation. I will involve myself in what's happening in your life and I will work to exalt you. I will work to lift you out of what you find yourself in and, and I will raise you up. Raise you up. So the first step, I believe, is to humble ourselves before God. The second step then is that of seeking God. Seeking God. God. So I humble myself before God. I recognize my need of God, which then makes this next step just the easiest process because I recognize I need to know more about God.
So I begin a desperate search of His Word. I want to know what God has to say about Himself. I want to know what God has to say about His creation. I want to know what God has to say to me. I want to know God more because I've established the fact that I desperately need God. Therefore, I must know Him. The next logical step then, once I've humbled myself before God, I've sought Him through His Word and through other people that can pour into my life, then is the step number three of confession. Step of confession. Where I confess my sin. Confess my sin. You see, as I study God's Word, as I engage the Word of God, as I become more acquainted with God Himself, then He's going to begin to shine a light on my life. And that light is going to begin to reveal the areas of my life that do not look like Jesus Christ. And so then the natural, obvious thing, because I'm wanting to get closer to God, I want to know Him more, is for me to acknowledge what God already knows, and that is the sin in my life. And I say, God, I confess this as sin before you. There's another part of this step. Confession is the first part, but to complete the step, then I must turn away from that which is in my life. That sin that I've confessed, if I just stay and I say, okay, tomorrow everything will be back to normal, I will have gotten over this, then nothing has changed. So then the process is I confess it and I turn away from it. I rid myself of it. Don't want it in my life anymore. It's gotta, it's gotta go. So I humble myself. I begin the process of seeking God. I, I confess my sin, which then I believe leads us to the next logical step, and that is then I surrender myself fully to God. The word surrender. I surrender myself fully to God. And what I'm saying here, listen to this because this is going to confuse some of you. What I'm saying here is when I surrender myself to God, I'm giving up my right to look for my own happiness. What? Yeah. Wait just a second, I'll explain that further. I'm giving up my right to seek my own will. I'm giving up my right to seek my own plans and my own desires. And what I'm saying is, God, you are God. You are the one that I desperately need, that I've come to know, that I've, I've shown and confessed and acknowledged my sin before. And now I surrender myself to your will. I surrender myself to what you desire for my life. It may not look like what I want it to look like, but I trust you enough to know that whatever you have for my life is exactly what's best for me. Now, you may be listening to this, and you may say, Tom, you just way out of bounds here, man. There's no way that, that if I'm humbling myself, that's not the American way. If I'm seeking God, that means I'm not getting to do the other things that I want to do. If I'm confessing my sin, I'm getting rid of stuff that I enjoy. If I'm surrendering myself before God, I'm not seeking my own happiness anymore. I'm not seeking my own will. Then how in the world am I going to be happy? How am I going to find the, the strength and the peace we talked about earlier? How am I going to find the joy and the contentment, the overwhelming love, the satisfaction, the fulfillment. How am I going to find these things if I'm abandoning my own happiness? That's actually a pretty good question. 
But the truth is, because God knows so much about us, God says, when you're empty, when you've rid yourself of everything that looks like the world, when you've gotten out of your life everything that doesn't look like Jesus, then you've made it possible for me to provide you with everything. Everything. Everything you need for joy, everything you need for peace, everything you need for satisfaction, everything you need for fulfillment, everything you need to experience the overwhelming love of God, everything you need to have the abundant life which Jesus came to provide. Everything you need is found in emptiness and surrender. So often, we just settle for a little when God has so much that He wants to pour into our lives. So what do we do with this information? You know, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then there's your first step. And you say, well, how do I do that. I mean, how does that work? If you'll reach out to us today, even right now, just put a note on Facebook or, or send an email or text or call the church office or, or, or send a messenger uh, note to us and, and let us know how to get you information. We'll send you information out very quickly. If you want it mailed, if you want it emailed, if you want it text, whatever, We'll get it to you very quickly. There's no cost, obviously. It's just things that we think will help you so that you can understand God's plan of salvation, God's plan of making us part of His family. So if you'd like that, would you just simply reach out to us? For the rest of us who are part of God's family, we may be in this situation where we've now considered what's happening in our lives. Are we settling for little? Are we just looking for the quick fix in what's going on in my life right now at the expense of missing all that God wants to do in our lives? You see, because God created us, He knows all about us. He knows what's best for us. So therefore, we can trust Him to say, God, I, I lay at Your feet everything. I surrender everything. Because I know that this is what leads to abundant life. This is what leads to Your glory. This is what leads to abundant life for me. And so I begin the process I start taking the steps. As I said, it's not an overnight process. It's not a, a quick fix to what's going on in your life. It is a lifetime that we continue this. It's not that I work through the steps one time and all of a sudden it's done. I can mark that off my list. Well, I've done that. No, that's not the way it works. I'm continually walking back and humbling myself before God because I've got a lot of pride. 
and I may rid it of my life one day and it sneaks back in the next. So continually I've got to be taking that step of getting humble before God. And continually I've got to be seeking God. I've got to be searching for Him. I've got to know Him. I want to know Him more. I want to get so in depth in my understanding of who God is that there's no way I can be fooled by someone claiming that God is something other than what He is. And I've got to continually be involved in the step of confession. Because I'm not a perfect person now, nor will I ever be in this life. One day, when I leave this life, I will be like Christ. And I won't have to worry about that part anymore. But for now, I've got to confess those sins. I've got to continually allow the Word of God to point out those areas in my life that do not look like Jesus. And continually go through the process of confession. And I've got to continually be surrendering myself to God. God, I want your will in my life. God, I have a tendency to fight for my will. I have a tendency to fight for what I desire. But God, what I want so much is your will in my life. Are you settling? Then it's time to change that. Will you begin the process of walking through these steps with me?